Howdy dream, cowboys. Welcome to the HBO Boys podcast. Today we are going to be giving our review for the first two episodes of the HBO Max original series Raised by Wolves, directed by Ridley Scott and created and written by Aaron Guzikowski. I'm James. And I am Ryan. And we are the HBO Boys. Before we get into it, just to let you know, we have a pretty neat Patreon full of like 15 extra bonus episodes that you can get for $1 a month at patreon.com slash hboboys. That's boys with a Z. So go join us over there. I'm excited to do this Raised by Wolves podcast. We're going to be doing two podcasts at once, Lovecraft Country and Raised by Wolves, because Lovecraft Country is on on Sunday nights. It is the flagship show currently on HBO. This being Raised by Wolves, the first HBO Max exclusive. I had to press like a button to be able to watch it. Uh, I hope it does well. I don't know if it's going to. It's on. Th- it's released Thursday nights. They released three episodes at a time. It has Ridley Scott attached to it, obviously, like Blade Runner, The Martian, Thelma and Louise, Gladiator, Alien. So the Man in the High Castle. Like he he's done so much, and then also Aaron Gutzkowski. I don't. You you did a better job with me than I did, but he's done The Red Road with Jason Momoa, aka Cal Drogo. So you know, some Game of Thrones money has been injected into this and i think it shows on screen i just don't know how much they're setting it up hbo that is for success yeah um they 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 set it out at the same time where they've already got a pretty popular show running uh lovecraft country they also released it on the same day competing against uh amazon prime videos the boys which is already a quite established show right and I don't know if you've been on YouTube or Twitch over the past week or two, but the amount of marketing dollars Amazon has put into the boys is quite a bit. And I saw Raised by Wolves trailers before Lovecraft Country, but that's about it. So while they definitely, like, the CGI budget alone for Raised by Wolves seemed pretty intense. Like, you know, this is in space. There's space shit that's going on, but I don't know. And by the way, we're going to you know put the cart before the horse, but I enjoyed these first two episodes. They released three at once. I've talked to many people who don't like them at all. We have a patron who gave a long list that we're going to go over later of all the things he didn't like about it, which were all valid points. Uh, I think I always say this. I'm glad HBO is still taking swings. They, I mean, what they've done: Watchmen, Perry Mason, Mark Ruffalo thing. I don't know the name of Lovecraft Country. Now this, they have second season of His Dark Materials coming out. You know, they spent Game of Thrones money on more shit, so at least they're swinging for the fences. Well, that's the good thing about this age of streaming in general is that you can get really niche and weird. And and HBO Max, because they've got all this money, can just throw a ton of it at Ridley Scott and be like, do whatever you want. Do the craziest shit you can think of. Which is, this is pretty close. This is a miniseries, right? I don't see anything about this being season one or anything. So, well, it says a drama television series, so maybe not. No, uh, it, it, it could be, could be. 
you know, it's HBO. So until they announce the second season, it's a miniseries. Just like Perry Mason. Right. Enough people watched Perry Mason. So now it is a uh, an actual television show and not a miniseries. But I, who knows whether or not this one will be this way. I'm going to have to assume that Raised by Wolves costs more money than Perry Mason. Although Perry Mason as a period piece, period piece costs a lot. Anyway, let's just, uh, you know, talk about the actual show. Well, like, I'm a big fan of the Ridley Scott sci-fi movies. Alien, of course, is a classic. Aliens is another, you know. They talk, they talk, people talk about, like, two two big sequels that are, like, better than the original. And people talk, like, Aliens and Terminator 2, right? Yeah. And then Aliens 3 is also really good. Uh, Alien 4, not so much. I'm one of the weird people. I really liked Prometheus. Alien Covenant, better not to think about it. That was the really bad one. But this show shares a lot of its DNA with Prometheus, actually. Like, in the very beginning, when Mother and Father's ship is, like, coming down low on the ground in, like, the valley, it looks a lot like the beginning of Prometheus. And then this show is starring Travis Fimmel of Warcraft fame, which was, you know, I play WoW a bit, and it was a movie. That's all I'll oh, say that, of it. Yeah, a terrible movie. I saw. And then Vikings, which is one of George R. R. Martin's favorite shows, so it has to be good. But I, the star of this show is Amanda Collin, who is a incredibly interesting looking person. She's five ten, skinny as a stick, plays mother and mother. I mean, she is not. She seems to have been in a lot of. It doesn't say on IMDb what her heritage is, but she's Scandinavian of some kind because she's been in shows with all the person's last names who were also in the show is Jorgensen. They're pretty good at playing like stilted robot people. So this kind of seems like it takes place potentially, maybe in the Aliens universe because like the mother and father, the two android characters are quite similar to Bishop and David from Alien and Prometheus a little bit. And also they bleed white, like the androids in Alien do. But this is like, you know, Alien is set like a few hundred years in the future. And this is maybe set like thousands of years in the future. No, this is set in 2145. Okay. Uh, Alright, so that doesn't really make sense in the Alien timeline then. Never mind. (laughs) Ridley Scott just likes the idea of robots bleeding white. So if this is like on our normal timeline, this means stuff's gonna go badly very soon. I mean, this, I assume this show, if it actually gets watched by a whole lot of people, will have a group of people who really don't like it. In fact, it feels like they're doing that purposely. It feels like they're like, well, the way the earth ended is a holy war. It's the religious people who pray to soul versus the atheists. A show just to say the word atheist is pretty bold. And then they're like, and then they tried to kill each other. Discuss. It's one of those shows that like, I could see, there's always this argument where if for a show to do v- well, people have to really like it. For a show to be huge, 50% of people have to really, really love it. And 50% of people have to really, really hate it. And it feels like that's the ch- box they're trying to check. So mother and father, like Earth has been destroyed uh, in the final crusade or something. And now mother and father are raising some babies on Kepler-22b. Just a random planet out there with a in the Goldilocks zone, I guess, where you could live without 
being frozen or burning to death. Right. It's a planet near a star about as far away as the Earth is from the sun. There's a really interesting scene in the very beginning when they're doing like six test tube babies at the same time. And then when the babies are born, they don't cry because they're not being forced through the birth canal. So they have a very peaceful Zen birth. Seems like a better way to do it. Sure is. The sixth baby almost dies. And that one is kind of held close to mother, wakes back up. And thankfully, that's Campion because eventually he'd be the only one to survive. They just keep getting sick or falling in holes randomly. I assume the girl who fell in the hole fell in and didn't get eaten by a serpent. But, like, it's possible. Yeah, and I should say, um, so... They as as time goes on and the kids are growing up, like they're getting sick and they don't have immunities to the diseases on this foreign planet, so they're dying of like the common cold, right? This is something that like Ridley Scott uh, did not bring up in Prometheus, and you, maybe you could make the argument like that there was no life on the planet in Prometheus, and so there wasn't like you know viral life either. But if you just look at history. Like, there used to, there were like a hundred million native peoples in the Americas when Europeans got there, right? And then they were all wiped out by European viruses that they didn't have immunities to. So if you and I went to, you know, Tatooine or whatever and walked around sure. the marketplace for an hour, we would get Entirely a virus possible. that we had no immunity to and die immediately. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, all, it these, feels like... all these kids would die, realistically. They would, they would never make it to like a month old. Listen, this is science fiction, James, okay? This is entertainment. Campion survives. And this feels very War of the Worlds to me, where all the aliens come, they're like, we are much more powerful. Oh, shit, a cold? We're murdered. H.G. Wells was already thinking about this 100 years ago. Like, oh, yeah, so that it would just kind of be like, uh, you would get there, you would get the common cold, and it would just destroy you immediately. Do you like mother and father's tit for tat? Like fathers telling jokes the whole time, he ends up being a service model, just really uh, made to be a parent and not much else. Mother, on the other hand, has some latent abilities she's not incredibly aware of. She is there. She They are the wolves who are raising the children. Do you like their dynamic? So originally they played off like, oh, father's the weird one. He's like all stilted and, and sticks to his programming. And you, oh, you like mother more because she's like a little bit more... Hum- humanistic and it seems a little more emotional and she's also kind of like an ideologue so it's like oh okay well yeah she seems like she'd be you know easier to get along with but then you think about it it's like oh you probably don't want a cold emotionless android to also be like an idealistic zealot no not so much because we get halfway through this episode it sets up that Campion's the only one alive. Mother and father are taking care of him. Father understands that the only way for Campion most likely to survive is for him to meet up with the people who are on the Ark, which is now circling Kepler-22b. And father sees that happening above them. So he's going to go get the ship that was left in the hole when they landed there and let the religious folk up on the large ship know that they are there and which you know he tries to do but he's too heavy campion will eventually try to do after mother completely turns on father and stabs him with a tooth and even before that point like campion was saying like well maybe we should pray 
for my my dead brothers and sisters and mothers like don't yeah. be stupid we don't pray what if praying will make spiria better no campion only science can do that it didn't help the others because we have more to learn we will never advance unless you resist the urge to seek solace in fantasy You are atheists, peaceful, technocratic. It is the only path to progress. So in the future, atheism is really important to us. So it reminded me of that South Park episode, Go God Go, where they get to the yeah. future and everyone's an atheist. The United Atheist Alliance! Oh, science, help us! Science, damn you, Unified Atheist League! Right, and it's their entire identity. Uh, Campion, by the way, named after their lord and savior. Uh, the atheists have a lord, or at least a leader. His name is Campion. I assume we'll meet him at some point. And Travis Fimmel will eventually show up. Father is, at the moment, Campion thinks he's thrown in a hole, but obviously he's just like somewhere else. They run on human hearts, question mark? Yeah, they've got like bio mechanical parts so she rips out she rips out some like it looks like an organ but it's like a crucial part of father's like build or whatever and then he turns off and i think she calls it his processor in the next episode so they have like yeah machine parts that look like oh it's some terminator shit and then also uh one thing that i was thinking about like when the other humans arrived i'm like why does campion have a different accent from his robot parents you would think all the kids would sound exactly like robots, because that's the only input they were getting, right? Campion's got this weird accent that came out of nowhere. Right. It Either it's weirdly like an oversight, or they just didn't care. Either way, it, there's it's hostile between Campion mother and the newcomers whom Campion brought there. Greetings. What is your faith? What church do you go to? A bad line. Not a, like the line was bad, and also the delivery was god awful. But whatever, you, god awful is a, a straight up pun there. I, I I need everyone to know that. But uh, then it, they move on. Travis Film was like, "Just let us stay. We're very hungry." And the mother's like, "Okay, but you're gonna leave right in the morning." And they have the religious people that is their own robot with them. So there's robots on both sides. It just seems to be that. The religious people built like fighting robots, and the atheists brought, bought, or the atheists built, you know, genocidal ones. Yeah, this this android they have here is like almost like exactly like Bishop or or the robot from Aliens. Uh, he's just uh, you know a servant or whatever. He's like C three PO but with with skin on. Which always like, what do you think about this, right? If you had a robot like assistant would you want him to have like metallic robot skin or would you want him to basically look like a person metallic robot skin a thousand right yeah i don't because uh, then it kind of feels like i'm bossing around a person who never sleeps or shows any emotion right i don't want to live in the uncanny valley of, like in my own life yeah I, I wrote here that it really creeps me out whenever the robots are doing anything other than attending to the kids because it's like why do they seem to have their own lives going on? Like, why are they dreaming about stuff? Aren't you a robot? Like, when you're not taking care of the kids, you go, like, you go back into the, step into the robot cabinet or something? 
Yeah, but I guess, like, it's the kind of thing where, like, how do you kill a zombie any way you'd like to? You're the author kind of thing, you know? Either way, the religious folk and mother eventually have a actual battle when they try to kidnap Campion. Mother's latent ability comes out. She is a genocide robot. She screams and people explode. She looks at people and their faces melt. Yeah, she f- she flies and she looks at you and she shrieks and you explode. So it's like that X-Men Banshee, but mixed with like Tetsuo. <laughs> she just blows you up. Which is incredibly powerful. Immediately she knocks Marcus out, gets in his ship. This happens so quickly. She's like, she comes up with this plan. Okay, let me, I'll just go up to the ship. They're powerless against her. She's like a super killer robot. They do the scene from Star Wars where all they're like, they're all lined up ready for the invader to come in and they all get blown apart. Right, they're shooting her. That doesn't work. To get on the ship, she infiltrates and looks like Marcus. Heaven, do you read me? Marcus, thought we'd lost you. Did you find the source of the signal? Negative. Is something wrong? The cleric was injured in a fall. He needs help. Copy that. The cleric is hurt. And the guy's like, is there something wrong? And he's like, no, let me on. I'm fine. All right, you just seem like, you, you're usually more chill, but that's right, fine. You seem to blink more often when I'm <laughs> in person. Which, you know, terrible time letting her on. She murders everybody. At some point, rips the eyelid off a dude, which was seemed that was messed up, and then sets the arc to not just self-destruct, but fly into a mountain. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, she also kidnaps five kids. Although when she originally gets to where the kids are chilling out, like there's more than five there. So oh yeah, just... no, those kids are all dead. <laughs> Terrible. She Uh, murdered those kids when the arc exploded. And at this point, I'm thinking, like, what a harebrained plan this was from, like, the original Campion, the leader of the atheists or whatever. When he came up with this idea, like, oh, I'll send androids out to raise kids on some undiscovered planet. Except, you know, the robots eventually go crazy, and that happens in about 12 years, so hopefully the kids will be self-sufficient by then. And then she gets out, she has to blindfold herself so all the kids don't look at her face and have their goddamn faces melt. She steps out of the ship, and she's like, Campion, make your new five friends at uh, feel at home. While she just walks away, and Campion's like, oh shit. And, like, was that all of humanity on the spaceship that slammed into the mountain? Oh, it seemed a lot, except for the other two landing parties that are still on. Right. So, humanity over, basically. (laughs) Right. Uh, The next episode then starts in Boston 2145, and that scream is happening that Mother does in the background. So, you know, the end of days had a lot to do, I assume, with those bronze assholes. Yeah, we get Marcus's backstory here. Him and his wife It's not were even like, that fucking guy. Right. Him and his wife were low-level soldiers. This was a pretty weird... Pl- they, they got the uh, medical robot to give them plastic surgery to look like two people who were on the list to get on the Ark. So they did that. Then they learned about the religion so they could pass off as officers. Yeah, their original names were Caleb and Sue. Does that mean Sue was on the Ark? No, because they run into the real Marcus and his wife and kill them. Just coincidentally. No, no, no. Oh, I, oh, I know. That's a good No, what, what are their actual names? It's um Caleb and Mary. Does that mean Mary was on the Ark? 
Yeah, you know that ran into the planet, crashed into the mountain. Really big bummer. So far to come to get (laughs) so smashed into a mountain, and and then they steal the real Marcus uh, and Mary's kid. So what makes them better than mother? They're also child stealers, you know. Yeah, not so much. Eventually, mother would steal Paul too. So take that. Paul's a twice stolen child. Really big bummer. So yeah, in in Ridley Scott science fiction, there's no faster than light travel. You want to get somewhere, you got to freeze yourself for decades or hundreds of years, and then wake up when you arrive. Which, uh, if you think about it, that's why like the crew in Alien were making such good bank because it's like, oh, right, your job is to go up into space for a hundred years, and when you come back, you know you'll only be a year older. Everyone you know will be dead. Everyone on Earth will have died of old age. Right, it's not a great deal. All these characters froze themselves, got to Kepler-22b, what, got to enjoy themselves for a week, and then crashed into a mountain? Yeah, it didn't go incredibly well. Mother wakes father up, gives him a second chance, puts one of the other hearts inside of him, and it's like, fine. The religious people are calling Mother a necromancer, which is ominous. And they they accuse her of having killed Campion's siblings, which is not what happened. We saw what happened. They got sick. Mother did her best for them. We're introduced to two... We get a little bit of Paul, but mostly we learn about Hunter, who's the oldest kid and, like, apparently a a genius. He says he has an IQ of 205, which would make him one of the smartest people in the world these days. Father has a lot of specific genius jokes only for Hunter. A malfunctioning android, a cleric, and a cat walk into a brothel. The malfunctioning android requests an android whore with mechanical skills. The cleric requests a virgin with the knowledge of the Mithraic mysteries. But the cat, the cat can't decide what to ask for. So, he turns to the malfunctioning android and the cleric and asks for suggestions. The cleric turns to the malfunctioning android and says, How is it a cat can speak? To which the malfunctioning android turns and says, I am malfunctioning. None of this is actually happening. The cat doesn't exist, and neither do you. To which the cleric then says, Thank goodness. For a minute there, I thought I was losing my mind. <laughs> I have many jokes tailored for geniuses like yourself. This next one also <laughs> involves a cat. You know what? Um, I think I'm just gonna... Uh... And then uh, we also meet Tempest, who is the oldest girl, and we find out that, like, in the movie Kill Bill, while she was, like, in her coma, some dude took advantage of her, and now she's pregnant, and nobody figured this out except for Mother. Awful. While I was inside the shared simulation, the man who did it was able to wake himself up somehow. Had his way with some of us while our bodies were still in hibernation. There are plans to execute him. Thanks to you, he probably died a few days earlier than scheduled. I would thank you, but I was actually looking forward to watching him die. He was a heliodromist. The second highest ranking member of our church. An incredibly pious rapist, that fucking piece of shit. I was thinking about, like, you know, Mother has lost all sight of, like, whatever the original plan is. And she's now just doing this to do it. That's why she took five kids to replace the five that died. Right. Weirdly reactionary. Campion is totally, like, naive and has no guile to him or whatever. So the other kids are, like, very you know, trying to manipulate him. Paul gives him a pet mouse, and then immediately they start trying to work him over, like, actually, your mom is crazy, and God is real. Did you think about that? 
Right, which he's already leaning towards to begin with, because every time one of its siblings died, he was like, this God character seems to be comforting in some way, and I sure do need comfort. It kind of sucks out here. At the same time as all of this is happening, a like B story of this episode is that Mother takes out her murder eyes and hides them. Yeah, she needs the eyes to transform. But why is that? Is that how she kills? It's people? just the conceit of the transformation, James. I don't know. It's for a plot point, right? And then they get attacked by monsters. And the entire time they've been here, they hadn't seen monsters yet. I assume it's happening because the ship fell down that hole and was exploding, right? Right. Or maybe you know the giant spaceship that slammed into the mountain chased some wildlife down into the valley or something. So. Father saw a serpent's skin last episode, and all the crops are being grown in gigantic serpent bones. So, like, at this point, I hope they gave the show enough money, because if I don't get a giant snake that versus mother moment, uh, then I've been, this is, I've been screwed. I was thinking about the mouse that, that Paul has. I'm like, that's probably the last mouse in the universe. Yep. Yeah, it's tragic. These kids, their life sucks, dude. They went from luxuriating on uh, a spaceship to now, like, they have to dig for potatoes on a shitty planet that's gonna kill them. <laughs> and and now, like, their, their, their main parental role model is, like, the insane killer weapon that destroyed all their friends and family. Yeah, but, I mean, the other two landing parties are there, and Marcus is there, like, you know, fake Marcus. They're gonna try to get them back assumably also they get attacked like you said by creatures which mother then bronzes out and fights and screams while like they're chasing the children and she screams like at a specific creature and it explodes so i was like she can aim this thing and and she again she tells tempest like don't look at me while i'm doing this so it's hazardous to even like lay eyes on her and then that was something we saw in like you know, uh, in in the you know Fallout Four version of Boston in the beginning, that one of the flying robot women is going by all bronzed out, and they pull like visors over their eyes. Oh my god! Yeah, the armor was very very cool. Anyway, Mother saves the day, blows up all of the monsters. Mother thanks Father for not taking her eyes, and uh. Marcus is, like, hanging over the hole, but the religious folk find him, pull him back up. The music of this show is very, very good, I want to point out. It's done by a guy named Ben Frost, who composed all the music for Dark. And I think it's this is a good time. Uh, our patron, Major Woody, had a long list of the things that are stupid about this show, because we both generally like it. Yeah. But this is a short like, excerpt of what Mr. Woody said. He said they were fighting a war with bullets when you have technology to go to another planet. And, like, it it should be... I assume there's, you know, there's more technology than bullets. Mother is a version of technology that can explode people. I mean, until I just thought about it uh, a moment ago, I thought this was taking place, like, in the same timeline as Aliens, where they're still using bullets. I thought, you know, that was normal. He criticizes the androids for not doing some basic recon as to the best places to land or set up camp before landing and crashing. I guess they were, you know, the plot device for that is that they were just unconscious and didn't have a choice. But 
Right. The religious people point out, they're like, there's a place near the equator that is like much better than here, but there's like an electromagnetic field around there. So we can't really land. I don't know. I wish that would, wasn't there. It'd be much better. And it's like, yeah, there's a long stretch of land uh, before and after the enormous hole. We'll park in front of the giant hole. Marcus points out at some point that the only way that they could have gotten there faster than the Ark did was that they were on a small ship that was faster, apparently, with no life support systems because, you know, it was only embryos and robots. Major Woody points out that that only matters when escaping gravitational pull, weight, or aerodynamics don't matter in space travel. It's a vacuum, which... It's a solid point. So, right, yeah, well, I mean, here, I, I can now, like, maybe I can uh, justify this. So, because they had less uh, energy that they had to spend on life support, maybe the thrusters powering the smaller spaceship allowed it to achieve a faster maximum speed, and so that's why it was going faster than the other one. Sure, whatever you want to say. The I think this show is one of those pieces of entertainment that asks you to just suspend some disbelief and like do you like heads exploding and heads melting and future dystopian worlds because if you do you're gonna like this show but if you're gonna like turn your brain on during it you might not like it uh so i was thinking about i wrote this down too that this is not so much a vision of the future as it was just like a crazy story that Ridley Scott and Aaron Gazkowski. I nailed it in the intro on the first try. Did you? Yeah. You did? All right. Gazkowski, that, that yeah. the two of them just wanted to tell they had an idea for this interesting sci fi story, which, what, I mean, what it reminds me of, George R. R. Martin is known for A Song of Ice and Fire, but before that, He's got this very long, sprawling uh, series of novels and short stories called The Thousand Worlds, which is about, like, when humans go to the stars and colonize all these planets, and, you know, it's like the Star Trek future for a little while, and then there's a big war, and intergalactic society breaks down, and now there are all these humans stranded on these bizarre planets, and they kind of restart society over again, uh... And, like, you know, they, they start over from cavemen, but, like, with weird technology left over, and it's not on Earth, it's on some planet where shit is weird. And that's, uh, people theorize that Westeros is a planet in the Thousand Worlds. Actually. Oh, really? Yeah. That is interesting. Yeah, I think it feels like their their idea for this show is, like, what is the end of a true holy war in the future? Like, with robots and, sh- and spaceships and shit. What if robots and spaceships were in a holy war that it was just two sides? Non-believers and believers. We're not. We're going to throw out all the different kinds of religion and all the different re- kinds of non-religion. It's just going to be fitty-fitty. You versus you. Android versus Android. Who's going to make a genocidal one first? The biggest nuke wins. And, uh, yeah. I mean, at this point, it seems like, you know... Mother is a nuclear weapon. Mother is the three dragons that Daenerys has that makes her more powerful than every, like, randomly whoever. Jamie Lannister has a sword. Great. Good. You're great at swords. Who gives a shit? I have a giant lizard who breathes fire. Also, I think we should spare a moment to talk about the Netflix original film I Am Mother, which has an extremely similar plot to this. We should? Okay. About, like, a little girl being raised 
by a robot. I mean, this robot looks more like a robot and not like a person, but then you're also not sure, like, oh, is the robot have her best interest in mind, or is the robot evil? Did the world really end? Is the robot lying about that? And so, you know, they kind of, they, they, they that movie, probably in development at the same time as this show, but totally ate this show's lunch and just got out way before. Yeah, in the wake of humanity's extinction, a teenage girl a teenage girl is raised by a robot designed to repopulate the earth, but their unique bond is threatened by an inexplicable stranger arrives with alarming news. That does sound very similar, and the main the main robot's name is Mother. His mother, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I'm assuming based on the timeline, these shows are probably in development at the same time, so it's a little hard to say. It's kind of like how Ants and A Bug's Life were being developed at the exact same time, and so you can't right. really accuse one of ripping off the other. Deep impact in Armageddon. Yeah, sometimes you get coincidences like that. By the way, I know you're an Armageddon guy, I'm a deep impact guy. Uh, I'm yeah, most... and it is the greatest fissure in our relationship. <laughs> I think a lot of people like A Bug's Life. I think A Bug's Life is unwatchably bad. I prefer Ants. And I have not seen I Am Mother, but I, I think I'm ready to be on Team Wolves. <laughs> yeah, me with my limited information, I believe I choose the one I've watched. So yeah, not not a too too deep of a recap on this one, guys, because, you know, we had two episodes and then we're also spending a lot of our energy recapping very detailed recaps of Lovecraft Country. So if you're also watching that show on HBO Max, uh, we're recapping that as well. It will be interesting to do both of them at the same time and then ask each other and ourselves at the end which show we liked more. The pilot of... They're just very different shows, right? Lovecraft Country is an, a great show that with a with a conceit that is nuanced and complicated and lo- like it's like Shrek would say, it has layers. You know, they're, the conceit of which is what is scarier, racism or monsters? And Raised by Wolves is just like, monsters are. Monsters are scarier. And the main character is the worst monster of them all. And I was like, okay. I Every time a person's head explodes, I'm more into this show. I like them both. I was extremely impressed and blown away by episode one of Raised by Wolves. Uh, obviously, episode two, you know, this is like a miniseries, so it's kind of like one big story or one long movie. Um, yeah, it's a 10-hour movie. And episode two, like, all the fucking insane shit that went down in episode one, episode two kind of has to be like, okay, well, now we have to get back to some kind of ground to stand on before we move the story forward again. So I'm interested to see. Right. I haven't seen episode three yet. Nope, that's for next weekend. But, uh, yeah, episode two is worse. But that's because episode one was just, like, goddamn bananas. So yeah, guys, catch us next week when we will do episodes three and four of Raised by Wolves. We'll also be doing episode four of Lovecraft Country, and then we will also have bonus content at some point as well. That's uh, true. Episode week. four That's of Lovecraft is already out, by the way. They released it on HBO Max early, which is interesting. What? They're really, really trying to pull it, push HBO Max. It only has 4 million subscribers. I say only 4 million, but what, how many does yeah, Netflix well, have? Uh, a lot more. So to put it in perspective, HBO Max has uh, 1, 4 million subscribers. Million. Uh, CBS All Access has 10 million. So more than, more than double. <laughs> yeah. 
182 million for Netflix. I've actually uh <laughs> I I got into the DC DC Universe streaming service to to recap and review Stargirl, which I never did cuz I hated it. Yeah. Um Yeah, James, <laughs> how dare you? When's your next Stargirl episode coming out, James? I thought it was going to to I thought it was going to star Joel McHale. They lied to me. <laughs> they did lie to you. That's true. I don't care though. You promised. Uh and but now I'm now I'm into it. <laughs> now I like the DC streaming platform. But what else are uh, you watching? Uh there's a lot of the uh really good like um DC animated films are on there as well as I am not watching them but they have the uh the Batman animated series and and Superman animated series from when you and I were boys. Um uh, my son and I are watching the 1940s original Superman shorts uh, and having a lot oh, of fun cool. with that. Um, and then the Harley Quinn show is a bit like my favorite. One of my favorite shows, the Venger Brothers. It's kind of similar in tone. So I like that. Um, but unfortunately, well, or maybe fortunately, it seems like Warner Brothers is probably going to close down the DC Universe streaming app and roll all of that into HBO Max. That's what people say is going to happen. Oh, all right. Yeah. Well, I guess that makes sense. Anyway, uh, yeah, please come back next week for episodes three and four. Before we go, I just want to read out all the Patreon patrons. Go to patreon.com slash HBO boys, boys with a Z. Give a dollar a month, a bunch of extra content. Our patrons are Branko, Hardboiled Greg, Nicole, Day 11 Podcast, James Watch My Dong. Now, James, do you want to do this joke with the in the Raised by Wolves podcast? <laughs> That's in all of our other podcasts? Yeah. Uh, did okay, you say great. his name last, though? No. Are there more names it, coming? There are more names coming, yeah. Okay, well, I don't want to watch your dog, all right? This is a form of sexual harassment that I have to watch the same dog every week, all right? It's strange to me. Now I'm starting to question the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, now it's odd. Cliff Wilding, hello underscore yo, atheism unstoppable, Chris Wood, Brent Gendale, Live in Westworld, Craig, Bacaman, John Jurors, Major Woody, and Carol Andreas. Thank you very much for the monies. HBO.com. God, I keep fucking that up. Please remove that. <laughs> Patreon.com slash HBO Boys, Boys with the Z. Shitballs. Yeah, to go to HBO.com slash Patreon slash HBO Boys. I mean, to be fair, when we were doing the Watchmen podcast, a lot of people were writing things like, how dare you guys? Like, they were giving us criticism like we were the official right. HBO They're podcast. Like, I'm writing which, uh, to, uh, a complaint to HBO. Warner Brothers. I'm, I'm going to tell this James Warner Brothers and Ryan are misrepresenting guys... the show, uh, and they should be fired from their professional HBO podcasting jobs, which I'm sure they make 10 figures doing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, nope, not the case. This is a hobby. <laughs> yeah, no. Brian and I survive completely off of the $50 a month that we get on Patreon. We split it down the middle, and we live both live on $25 a month. I only eat beans roasted upon a fire. Yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Like Brian said, hit us up on Patreon or follow us on Twitter. He's at Westworld. Ryan, I'm at James Watches Men. Uh, and, uh, also, you know, leave us a review on whatever podcast app you're listening to that would be nice the number one thing you could do to support the show aside from kicking us a dollar on patreon would be to spread it by word of mouth so more ears are hearing it because of your mouth why did you say it like that i'm now i'm i'm now i'm mother from from i'm robot now robot podcast is robot robot podcast baby (laughs) 
Robots really hate, uh, really hate conjunctions, right? Like, they never say, like, you know, I'm a robot. I am a robot. Right, like Holt this from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah. <laughs> no contractions for them. No, no contractions for Mother either. Just popped those embryos right out. Oh, it's a, it's one of those double entendres. Yeah, everyone says it like you say it. It's the right way. We have to stop. We have to end the episode eventually. Okay, bye! Okay. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.